Well, today is going to be grand as well. Is anybody here for the first time today that did not come last night? Give me a little shake, a wave. No? Nobody's new? Oh, who's new? Who's? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking over there. <laughs> well, welcome. You want to ask the ladies at the table what happened last night. They'll, they'll tell you. So today we're preparing to receive, right, ladies? Right? So we're going to give away some prizes. Um, how are we doing? Uh, do I have the... Miss Lisa just went to get the bag. And then we have the gift bags to give away. Oh, what are we, where are the prizes? All right. I'm going to call your name, and uh, Miss um, Lisa is going to give you your bag so we can do it really fast. Right? <laughs> Melissa. Everybody say hi to Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Do you see the overheads working? Yay. Yeah. So Melissa and uh, Devon, wave your yeah. hand, Devon. Devon, my, my comrade from Guyana. <laughs> um, he, uh, they stayed last night, and I mentioned we have this, this cord that used to work. And that's all I told them. And between the two of them, they figured it out. And there it is. So it might look a little bit truncated, but it works, right? It's going to put words up for you. So that's what we want. We want you to freely worship. You know, not have to read a paper. That's a bit tough, isn't it? Well, think about the person leading worship. It's a bit tough to see everybody trying to figure out where you're going next. <laughs> we got this, ladies. Okay, who's going to get the first? What is the first prize? Ooh. All right, Evelyn Baumgartner. <laughs> wow. I love it. She get, hi, Miss Evelyn. I didn't get to say hi to you. <laughs> All right. Oh, the cookbook from our youth group. You want to get that? This is for Tanya Wood. All right. Well, tell her that we get that she got a cookbook. All right. Um, what's this one? Model, Madeline. Is it? Did you just put your first name? Madeline. There we go. Thank God we know who she is. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good gift right there. Yeah. Uh, choose happy. Yeah, I like that. Cookie, Miss Cookie. You won't believe this, but it goes to the cameraman. Joshua Edwaru. He put his name in the bin. I like it. <laughs> By the way, Joshua is my nephew. And Kelsey, you want to wave to everybody? This is my niece, Kelsey. They were too busy last night to, for me to do all that intro. Okay, what are we giving away again? $50 gift card to Blue Mountain. Miss Wanda K. Wanda. <laughs> Wanda K. <Kissinger. laughs> All right. Should we do one more? What do we have? One more? Oh, my fearless book. That's more priceless than any other game. <laughs> mm, Glenda Inch. Ah! Yay. 
so we'll do some more later. Uh, now, today, um, Dr. Jacobs has a lot to tell us, right? But here, I'm going to tell you something about prophets. If you're not responding, they'll stop giving. It's just how it works. That's why he keeps saying, like, you guys are just staring at me. Trust me on this one. If you don't respond, it's over. That's why I was responding for you. So don't give me all the work. (laughs) Okay? If something is clicking in your head and you're going, oh, say it out loud. I'm helping you, right? In in this class, you can talk. (laughs) The teacher doesn't want you to be quiet in this class. You can talk, right? (laughs) Abby's laughing because she's a teacher. She would never tell her kids to do that because they would be saying stuff she doesn't want them to say. But you can talk, right? (laughs) So ask uh, ask questions of yourself and write it down. Did we get some questions already? Great. So at some point, they'll bring it on my table. So just uh, as you get the questions after the first session, maybe, uh, go ahead and drop them in, and then we'll, we won't take questions after that, right? So uh, we're going to worship first, though, because that's very important. And I want you guys all to focus in on the right person, right? It's not about Dr. Jacobs. It's not about me. It's about God Almighty, right? So, and, and it's about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they work together. So one of the revelations the Lord showed me was, uh, you know, a lot, you know, there's a problem in the world. They wouldn't have a problem saying God. They all talk about some God, right? But the problem is Jesus. Well, here's the problem with that problem. Jesus is the word, right? If we don't accept the word, nothing will happen that God says because it's God's word. So if you want God to do something for you, you have to let the word that he said about it actually do it. It ain't going to happen if the word doesn't do it. So this is why it's important to arrest situations when people disregard Jesus. Because it's cutting you off from receiving from God. That's a whole lesson to it. Did I do that in Woven? I don't remember if I did it in Woven. If it is. Okay, Woven is our women's group that meets the third Friday of every month. Our our last one before summer is in May, I think May 20th, 6 p.m. Come or watch us online, either one. But we do live stream it. And I teach a lot of stuff that has helped a lot of people in their houses. This morning in prayer, I don't want to take up much time, but we'll we'll give you time. Listen, we're going to add the time at the end. (laughs) So... This morning in prayer, I was up at 5 a.m., and every morning I pray for two hours in tongues. That's what the Holy Spirit instructed me to do three years ago, and I never stopped. doesn't matter where I'm in the world. That's what I do. So this morning when I was praying, the Lord showed me that the problem in, to tell you this so you can solve the problem because we're the ones that will solve the problem. Every community, whatever we see manifesting in the community, it started in a home. So the root places for the instruction, and not just the instruction, but for the permission for the actions to occur is being permitted in a house. So we are here representing homes. We have to be able to be strong enough in the word of God to be able to listen enough 
to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Who's the one that tells us what God said? Do you see how this works? It's Trinity for a reason. God says, I want Fiona to be this. The Holy Spirit says, Fiona, you need to start doing this. I say, I receive it because, yes, the word of God says I should do that. Do you see how it works? And now we have action. Uh, Faith without works is dead. So when I say, yes, I have faith, when the Holy Spirit gave me the instruction to pray two hours a day, that's not an easy thing because I never really did that long of a prayer. In tongues. (laughs) You know how much it hurts your jaw? That's the hardest part for me. But uh, I know that I should pray in tongues based on Acts 2. Right? But if I would had the belief system that I shouldn't speak in tongues because it went away, I would be disobeying God. And the other thing is the Holy Spirit couldn't tell me that because I would actually now be in a position to disobey God, which would make matters worse for me. So the question for you to ask yourself in your homes is what have you disregarded from believing from the word of God that the Holy Spirit needs to give you an instruction from, but he never will because you will actually now be worse off than if he never gave you an instruction. Do you understand? Because now you'll be in disobedience. But the Bible says that we die for a lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. So if things aren't changing in your home, there's a lack of something somewhere, and it's not from God. Right? So you so so here's the priorities of a home. You need to get this in order. Our community is never going to be in order if the homes aren't in order. All right? The priority in a home, if you call yourself a Christian home, this is what it should look like. God gets first dibs. He gets first dibs on your money, not just your your check, your paycheck. Every money. Right? He gets first dibs. He gets the 10% off the top. And then whatever your home decides your generosity level is, you add offerings to it. Because in Malachi, it talks about tithes and offerings. But you're not giving offerings if you haven't tithed yet. The second priority is in your time. Who gets the schedule first? Imagine if families would stop going to sports events during Sunday morning service. Don't you think that would shift a little bit in the community? Yeah. The community does it because the homes in the community are cooperating with it. And the cooperation with your local church is not happening, but with the local sports team it's happening. Okay? The accommodation to not have prayer in school is happening but to tell them, no, my child will bring a Bible if they want to and pray if they want to, is not happening. So imagine if all the homes decide what they're going to allow and not allow. But that is exactly what's happened in our community. Everything we see in our community is what a home has allowed. And here's what happens. It gets multiplied based on the other homes. And when your children interact with those children, they produce. We are humans and we will produce. Right? So we will always multiply whatever we put. We'll we'll multiply it. We'll make it more than what it is. So you have to be careful what your homes are allowing and disallowing. And it's on us to do that. Right? So go read the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Just read the whole thing, three chapters. That's what I read this morning, too. I don't want to read all that to you. So (laughs) that's 
the last chapter before everything went dark and then New Testament happened, right? And the corrections are in that chapter. And if we don't correct our homes, our communities aren't going to be corrected. Folks, they're made up of us. (laughs) The community is made up of us. So we have to stop blaming TV, stop blaming the teachers in the school, and start looking at, because it doesn't matter what they see on TV, YouTube, or in the school. When they come back to home, shiftings should be happening. (laughs) My kids went to public school too. I have a kid going to public school. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, Gabe did a lot of online, but then he went to public school in high school. Shift happened when he came home, I can tell you. And you know what else? He could self-adjust because he was here. He was in church all the time. And so when he goes to live on his own now, he knows what the priorities are. You understand what I'm saying? But if you have the the concept that I'm not going to go to that church because they're just mean, well, then your children aren't going either. (laughs) And guess what? They could go to the nicest church in town and still say, I'm not going to that church because they're mean. Whatever excuse you've made up about God and following God fully, your children and grandchildren will do the same thing. Exactly. You are literally giving them a blueprint for life. So I give you prizes first, so this will be easier. (laughs) Ladies, if we're teachable, correction tastes good. I like to be corrected by God. I like when he says, Fiona, you missed my instruction. You need to do it now. I'm like, thank you. Right? Because I know any instruction from God will multiply my life and not decrease it. Right? So you want to be able to be in a position to multiply the things from God, not the works of darkness. When we allow the enemy to produce anything in our house, we're multiplying the works of darkness. This is just what it is. So don't comply. Somebody was telling me, that an event happened in their home and they were just letting the person vent and uh, and um, you know and then they interrupted but I said but and then things started happening in their home like the next day and they put the two together and I said oh my gosh it's because you were you were letting them vent which was okay I guess but I don't do that and they threw up in your house And now your kids started throwing up after they left. They threw up things against ministers and who they don't like and who they like. And they just happened to be me. I was one of them people. That's not good. Okay, if you don't like me, just zip it. Don't talk about me. And I'll tell you why. If you read Psalm 35, if you read Psalm 35, the Holy Spirit had me pray that for a whole It took me two or three weeks every day before I could bring myself to agree with what it says. And he was correcting me. Because I I don't have the heart to say some things that should happen to some people that speak against me. I just didn't. But I do now. And so Psalm 35 is my protection detail. I've said it in place along with Psalm 91 that if you come against me, you're coming against them first. Read it. You'll see. And um, this is all correction. Are you guys okay? But I'm telling you correction, not just about me, but any person, any minister of the gospel, anything like that. You just have to be careful because you don't know what they've prayed and you're going to 
push right into it, right? But your homes require you to get things straight, and then things will start to shift. If your kids have left home and now you're sitting there going, I wish I knew this. Guess what? You do now? Shift it. Start speaking. The word of God coming out of your mouth is a sword. Use the sword. Use the sword because what's holding them is not the physical stuff. It's the spiritual stuff. Oh, it, it, you can reach it right from where you are. You can reach right there in that realm and wipe that stuff out. You can break things over them, right? So I've already spoken over my son what girl is allowed to get close. You got to be careful with this stuff, you know. Bible school, that's whoo. <laughs> that's where the girls all show up for certain degrees. <laughs> I keep reminding my son, your daddy didn't meet me at Bible school. <laughs> that was good, right? I relaxed you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, we're going to worship now. Just We'll probably just do two songs or three. I don't know. We didn't practice this morning, but the team's good. Aren't they awesome? Yeah. They had no idea what I was about to do last night, really. We practiced on Wednesday, but that's about it. So they went. They went with it. <laughs> so now you can see the words, right? Uh, did we tell the, the, the first song, uh, Spirit Move? Do you have that first song? All right, we got it. They, they're so good. <laughs> but let's stand together, ladies. We're going to pray. How many of you had healings for your bones last night? Yes. We got some bone healing in the house. Well, guess what? We're going to sing about it. We're going to say what our bones are doing. Right? We're going to say what's going to happen to our bones. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, your mercy. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship the living God. to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, the one who sits on the throne, the one who inhabits our praise. That's the only one allowed to inhabit our praise in this morning. We don't give our praise to anyone else but to Almighty God. bones you're about to move. Come on, your healthy bones, yes. I feel it in the wind you're about to ride in. Oh yeah. You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall on sons and daughters. So like the rain
They never fail us. We thank you, Lord, that you are worthy to be worshipped and praised. We adore your name in this house today, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are high and lifted up and that your train that fills this temple today. And we thank you, Lord, for the angels that you have given us, that you have given us as ministry of help to us. We thank you for every part of your kingdom that has been given, that we've been given access to, Father. We, we are grateful in this house. Come on, are you grateful? We are grateful in this house, Lord, that you did not give us assignments without power, that you did not give us authority without tools, but that we have everything we need to be victorious in this place. In the name of Jesus, we declare that we are winners, that we are women of victory. Hallelujah. We enjoy new life in the name of Jesus. breaking through even while we're here you're fixing things hallelujah we thank you lord that your word will go forth with power and authority i thank you lord that we have ears to hear in this atmosphere and no other spirit has permission to speak but the spirit of god every other spirit has to shut up in jesus name whether from the past whether they walked in here with you or whether or not they're planning to meet you at the door, they have to shut up because the Spirit of God is here to speak. And we're here to listen. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right. All right, ladies. You're in the right mindset now, right? Get a big old Bible and put it on your coffee table at your house. Make it look intimidating. That's the new language of your house, the word of God. You should be versed, you should be fluent in that language in your house. Amen? Amen. And answer everything by the word of God. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. All right, you may be seated. Dr. Jacobs, I think they're ready for you. (laughs) I think they're ready for you, doctor. (laughs) You You remember, guys, if you don't respond... The prophet's just going to stop talking, and then, you know. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Wow. Boy, Pastor, you really are a good speaker. You're an anointed speaker. Yeah, let's give it up for her. (laughs) Thank you. Really. You know, some people have it and some people don't have it when it comes to that. But anyway, you know, everybody's got something. But we need to acknowledge, you know, things that are right and things like that. Now, again, don't let all these papers fool you make you feel intimidated. But I am going to share some important things with you. As we did last night, I felt like we shared important things with you. And... uh Let's see here. We want to go back, first of all, just touch base with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 11, or verse 13, rather, 14, and get our foundation. We won't go over everything we said last night. We don't have time to. I do want to read you some things. You know, I took notes over the last 45 years. Uh, Actually, I've been saved 50 years last December, and active ministry, I'm in my 45th year. 
not bragging, just the truth. Uh, I never thought I'd be doing this. You know, I was just a burnout drug addict when I got saved, so I didn't have really, I didn't think I had anything to offer God, but he said, I'm going to take you as you are, and I said, I'll come. And uh, because my life was such a mess, uh, you know, shooting dope and all that kind of acting crazy. But I want to say something here. Sometimes people ask me, how is it, Dr. Jacobs, you have so much angelic ministry in your personal life and in your ministry? And I always respond to this question. Usually the pastors ask me that. I say, well, uh, first of all, do you teach it? Most of them say no. I say, well, therefore, you're not going to get it. Remember Mark 16, I'm just reminding you of something I said last night. It said they went everywhere, Mark 16, 20. The disciples went everywhere preaching their philosophy, no. Their doctrine, no. The Word. And God worked with them just like he works with me today, whatever date this is and whatever city I'm in. Let's see, this is Palmyra, Pennsylvania. Okay. And he confirms the word I preach with signs following. Now, I'm not preaching on marriage, so that's not being confirmed today. Not preaching on prosperity. That's a legitimate thing to preach on, too. Uh, But I'm teaching on angels. So when I teach on angels, I expect that to manifest, just like it did last night. Now, whether you see them or not is irrelevant. You remember my granddaughter's story with you? She said, "Uh, teach me, Grandpa, how to see an angel. I said, well, I don't have that permission to do that. You have to ask Jesus about that. If you ask him about it and he wants you to, you could see. But if he doesn't, you won't. But you don't have to see anything. Let me say it to you again. I don't think you're hearing me. You don't have to see anything to receive the benefits of the angels. But you do have to believe in them like I do or somebody that believes. I believe it. (laughs) And, And if you believe it, you'll start to get an activity. And that's my next statement here. When you start believing in the ministry of angels, you start having more manifestations of their ministry. Until you do that, you won't have. You have to believe. You're going to have to study this out like me. You're not a preacher necessarily, but you're still going to have to study. You may not have to have study. You show yourself approved like a preacher would. That was written to Timothy, a preacher, a five-fold ministry gift. But you do have to study. You can't be studying 35 things at the same time and expect any of them to be efficient because you're too, you're too diverse. You know, it's one thing about this generation. I've lived, I'm 72 years old. I've never seen such a distracted group of people in the earth like I see today. You're just extremely too busy for God, most of you. I mean, you love God and you come to church, but that's not what I'm talking about. But you're going to have to cut some things out of your life. They're not evil. You just don't have time. I don't have time to do everything I'd like to do that's not wrong and still do what I'm doing. So I either could do that and dilute my ministry and just give you a little pablum, a little watered-down milk, and you'd probably be thrilled with it. But, but I'm not going to do that to people. I'm more committed to Jesus than that. It's not evil to play golf or tennis. I don't normally do that. I don't have time to. It's not evil to go fishing, but I normally don't do that anymore. I don't have time to do that and travel like I do. It takes a lot of time to travel. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you what I do. You, you can't have faith. Listen to me. You can't have faith for what you don't know. And I think it's evident from what I shared with you last night, if you're honest, you would say you probably knew very little, if anything, about angels. You know, there are, you, you know, if I interviewed you in front of the church, you know, when you first came in last night, you believe in, oh, I believe in angels. Then my next question is, do you have any kind of fruit in your life at all? At least one example. You could tell me you prayed and God did something in your life through a ministry of an angel. And if you can't answer that in five seconds, then you're just playing with yourself in your mind. 
that you believe it. You, you mentally agree there are angels because you can read your Bible or somebody's told you there's angels or somebody gave a testimony of an angelic rescue or something. I'll give some probably tomorrow to you, maybe today even too. But see, you, you can't have faith for what you don't know and you can't know unless you're taught. So that's why we've got to take some time to teach, to teach you about a little bit about what I know, not everything. I mean, I don't have time to do this. The ministry of angels didn't pass away, but became even more greater in the New Covenant. Always remember this, whatever they had in the Old Testament. I do not give all my time to the Old Testament. I'm not an Old Testament believer. I'm not a Levitical priest. You're not going to sell me some prayer shawl to make God hear me. I just want you to know how I feel about it. I could stand naked in the shower. Don't get that picture. But at the same time, God will hear me. And if he doesn't, then he's not the God of the Bible. Simple. I don't make things complicated. If you think I make them complicated, you need help in your brain because I'm very simple. No, I purpose to be simple. I'm not fooling with you. My mind was a mess out of drug addiction, and God restored it to me, but I didn't take my mind and get it back to use it on frivolous things. Hallelujah. So there's more revelation in the New Testament than there's ever in the Old and more understanding about this ministry into this realm. I'm a Hebrews 8, 6 guy. It's a better covenant with better promise. The, the covenant that I'm in and you're in, if you're in the covenant, if you're in the New Testament covenant, that's the covenant you're in. You're not an Old Testament covenant. And some people study Leviticus till they drive it in the ground and, it, and you're not even in that covenant. I don't know what people are thinking. There, there's scriptures I gave you yesterday out of the Genesis and Zechariah, and I believe in those things, but I bring it through the cross over here. Yeah. You know, we found out the angels come to maintain security and to do things like that from Zechariah chapter 1. Remember? These are they whom the Lord sent to walk to and fro through the earth. So we established that last night. If you weren't here, maybe you'd get a tape or something. The angels that we're concerned with in our life today are right here with us right now. The angels that work with me, and I, don't, I have several, a bunch of them, but I'm not bragging. I just believe in them, and God has added them to me over these many, well, 40-some years. I started teaching on angels in 1980. So that's uh, 42 years ago, if I'm right. I think that's right, 42 years ago. I've been studied a fur piece in this. Let's just say that. Okay, with the knowledge of angels and their work in the earth, you can better do the will of God, which is the ultimate goal of every believer. And we read you last night in Hebrews chapter 2. Remember verse 3? They, you will not escape. You will not escape what? You will not escape some things the devil throws at you to take you out or impair you or restrict you if you, don't, if you neglect this ministry of angels. Now, here's a good question. I'm gonna, you didn't ask it. I'm going to give you a clue, though. People ask me sometimes, well, you just talk about angels. What about the Holy Ghost? What about him? What about him? I'm going, to, I'm going to give you an answer. How about chapter 8 of Acts when Philip, you know, I think it's verse 26. It doesn't say the angel appeared to him. Don't read things in the Bible that it doesn't say. You'll get in error. said the angel said to him, you go down and stand by this road. And when he got down there, the Holy Ghost in here, because he's a spirit-filled believer. There's no such thing in the Bible as a non-spirit-filled church. I don't care what men say. This is what the Bible says. Every New Testament church in my Bible, your Bible, any Bible that's legit, 
that were spirit-filled, tongue-talkers, cast out devils, moved in the spirit, powerful men and women of God that believed the whole Bible. <laughs> okay. But the Holy Ghost said to him, attach yourself to this chariot. Or we would say, stop this car and tell this guy what you need to say. The Holy Ghost and angels are not in competition. I, it just, and I don't worship angels. I worship Jesus. And angels don't worship us. But anything appears to you once you're worship, I would rebuke it. I don't care how sweet it looks with a bell and tinker bell or whatever and a nice gown. That's not going to get my attention. And even people ask me the wrong question. What did that angel look like? Well, I'm going to give you a few examples, maybe today. But if not, I'll give them some tomorrow. You asked me the wrong question. The question you should have asked me, what did the angel say to you if he said anything? And I had one event that he didn't say anything. But I got healed as a result of it. I'll talk to you tomorrow about that maybe. Are you listening to me? All right. So the purpose of my teaching on this subject is that you can understand the ministry of angels as it is available to you today. I don't have any special market on it. I just believe more than the average Tom or Mary because I've studied it and I believe in them. And in addition to that, I didn't ask for any of these visions, and God gave them to me. And I'm getting older now. He gives me more visions. And, you know, he asked me to share about it. I'll share this right now just so you know how I feel about things. I think that's important to know. When I was 60, he said, Michael, I want you to start sharing publicly some of the visions you've had. And I said, I'd rather not do that. And he already knew why, but, you know, sometimes he just fools with us. He says, well, why? (laughs) I said, because I've been persecuted out the wazoo on my stand on the Word of God alone. Why would I want to expose myself to people I don't even know and tell them intimate, holy moments that I had with you for them to ridicule me and critique me and criticize me? Why in the world would I want to do that? And he responded, it's either that or else. I'd love to do that, Father. (laughs) You can argue with me if you want to. I have, but you won't win. I mean, if you're going to be obedient. Because, see, to me, this I'm just be straight with you here. This is how I think. You may not think like this. You probably don't. But that doesn't make me wrong. I was married to a woman that I loved dearly, and she went to heaven last year. I never told anybody about any of our personal involvements sexually, romantically with my wife. That was personal. That was between me and her and God alone, period. And that's what I felt like God was asking me to do in sharing these visions that were such a an intimate mark on my life. Those were private, I felt like. And God was asking me to make them public, even to people that don't know nothing and want to criticize me because they didn't have one or critique it and make it sound like I'm a nut. I'm just being honest with you. You can take it or leave it, but you should have some feelings too about how you do. But he said, no, the reason I want you to share it is because you know things some people will never see or know. And they will begin to understand how the angels work with you and have worked with you and continue to protect you, to keep you, to do different things that they've done in my lifetime. And they've done a lot. All right. It's not really as weird as it sounds. Angels are a part of your covenant. When you got saved, they were automatically, you already had them when you were first born. You weren't even saved then. You know what I mean? All right. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to share that today. 
So let's begin here in Hebrews, just real quickly here, verse 14, chapter 1, Hebrews 1, 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? You remember last night I shared with you the vision of AD 3, if you were here. I went to a little church, and they, they said, we want you to come teach on angels. I'd been studying them three years, 80 to 83. So I went to do a seminar, a three-day seminar on that subject, and I asked for a place to pray when I first went in and saw the pastor. I said, can I get alone and pray? Just a minute. Not that you're not important, but I'd like to be just go by myself somewhere. you got to play. Yeah, you can go over in the building next door. There's a radio room down. Here's the key. You can go in there and pray. When you get done, come on up and join us in the service, and we'll turn it over to you as soon as we can. So I went down there just to pray about the meeting, and I never dreamed anything was going to happen so significantly. And I came out of my body. I told you that, and the angels were ministering to my body so that it wouldn't deteriorate when I was gone because, you know, I'm not there now. I'm somewhere else. My body is still in that little room, the radio room, (laughs) and the angels are keeping me alive, keeping my lungs working, my heart beating, my brain normal because all that shuts down when you leave, you know. And so I went somewhere else in a huge room. I'm in a huge, like we use this room as an example. If it was maybe another time you flipped it over, it's twice as wide and two or three times as long. And this room was filled with these creatures. I'd never seen a group like that before in my life. And they were all angelic beings. And some of them were huge. Some of them were huge. I mean, 8, 10, 12 feet, 15 feet. Some of them were average like me or I'm kind of short. But And some of them had different things on them attached to them, different weaponry and stuff. Some didn't. But anyway, the one angel spoke to me. He's standing here, and all the angels are behind him. And he said, Michael, he knew my first name. And he went like this, we're excited. He's looking down at me. I'm still on my knees in the vision. But I'm not in that little radio room. I'm in a different room altogether. You know, there's other places to be sometimes. (laughs) All right. And he said, we're, and he went like this, we're all excited. We're all excited. Like all of these beings are excited. You're teaching about us. For we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ. And they won't let us. And there was a distraught in his voice when he said that they won't let us. Now you might think that sounds wild, but did you tell the people that night? My gosh, no. I had to assimilate all that. I don't know, maybe you're just more spiritual than me. You think you got it all together and you have an angelic visitation with a thousand angels and just, you're going to tell everybody, even your neighbor and the postman. <laughs> he don't care probably. And, you know, and I kept that secret because it was precious to me. And I didn't even understand what, especially the last four words of that angel's words. They won't let us. I thought on that for four months. See, I remember I'm a good student of myself and I'm a good student of the Bible. Four months later, it it dawned on me like, I don't know, it's like a revelation. I must have authority that I didn't know I had. That angel was telling me all of us, not just the ones that I saw in that room, the, the number of angelic beings, the good ones, there's more of them than there is with our enemy. And it's so innumerable you can't even count them all. But all of those angels are anxious to help us. And we, listen to me, we were restricting them. You were putting the brakes on them. Maybe you've done that your whole life and I'm just revealing that. I don't know about you. I don't know any of you that intimately to know what you do or how you live, what you say or don't say. 
But if you want their help, you're going to have to start talking. And you're going to have to start talking. Listen, nobody here, I want to say this strong to you, nobody here is a sub-heir to anything. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's who you are. And everything in the natural, including your parents and all your friends that don't believe nothing, and your relatives, they don't believe that at all. And the devil and all your friends want to keep you limited, that you're no, but who do you think you are? It's not who I think I am, it's who I know I am that matters right now. <laughs> and I'm not a sub anything. Get that out of your brain. I don't care if you've been through four messy divorces, you're not a sub anything. <laughs> you're not identifying with the right things, that's why you're behind, that's why I'm saying this. I'm not accusing you, but I think I'm pretty accurate. You've got to identify with this. And to your brain and your consciousness, that's foreign to most people. You go to church, you love God, you sing songs, you worship, you pray little. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about identifying with what the Bible says you already are. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to get good enough to get it. You have to receive it. Jesus made us join heirs with him. I'm not sitting behind him, in front of him, or inside. I'm sitting with him. I could say it this way. I think you can catch it better. He's the head, but we're the body. We're seated up there with him, spiritually speaking, right now. I don't have to go there to know that. That's what my Bible says. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2, chapter 1. And where is that seat? Far above. All rule, all authority, all power. Every name that's named. Every sickness, every mental issue, every emotional instability you may have dealt with or are dealing with. All of that's removed from you if you just trust God. Let Him deliver you. Start identifying with Him. I didn't mean to say that, but I'm not apologizing for it. Now, let me read down here to show you one other thing before we move on to what we really want to talk about this morning. I'm going to take my liberty this first hour, and she said she'd give me some extra time. But I appreciate what Pastor Fiona shared with us today. Fed me. I appreciate that. Some people get up and talk. They don't feed me. They're good talkers, but they don't feed me. <laughs> Just being honest. That's why I don't suck up to a lot of TV, because those people don't know anything, and they're only telling me what they know after it's happened. I want to get ahead of that, ahead of that, and know what's going to happen so I can deal with it in my life or people that I love's life. Chapter 2 of Hebrews is still talking about angels. Verse 4. God also bearing with him uh, witness with uh, both with signs and wonders and different kinds of miracles or various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. It says the word is gifts there is distributions of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So I'm just bringing this to your attention like last night. We just barely got started at the end to minister. And maybe we'll go in a little different direction today, but notice signs and wonders and different kinds of miracles and ministries of the Holy Ghost come, at least in part, through the ministry of angels. I'm not discounting the Holy Ghost. The, the gifts of the Spirit are just what they say, the gifts of the Spirit, not the gifts of angels, the gift of the Spirit. But as I showed you out of Acts 8, if you were listening to me just a minute ago, the Holy Ghost and the angels working together to get you where you need to be. All right. Normally you led of the Spirit, but there may be some unusual situations. And this is why I'm probably not going to be able to answer all your questions. And maybe, maybe perhaps you're asking the wrong questions. 
I will, I'm willing to try to deal with them, okay? I'm being fair with you. I will try. But if I don't know the answer, I'm not ashamed to tell you. I don't know the answer to that. See, I listened to God, and I found out in the Scripture, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 11, verse 3 or 4, maybe chapter, you know, 2 Corinthians 11, maybe verse 3. It says, don't let anything move you away from the simplicity that's in Christ. <laughs> I was watching a famous network. I don't know if I should tell you or not. Doesn't matter, they're all the same, basically, the Christian ones. And they introduced these people, brought these people out like they were really somebody. This is Bishop Doodad Head, and this is Prophetess So and So Head, and this is uh, Pastor So and So, and this guy, you know, ladies and men. And they started talking. I'm in my living room, I'm watching them. I looked at my wife and I said, What are those crazy people talking about? I am not a novice at this. I've been in this a long time. They don't even make sense to me. My God, the average person, how would they understand what they're saying? See, that's just BS. Without saying the word. I can say it if you like it, but I won't say it. Bull hockey, you know, it's just nothing. It's not your title that makes you important. It's what's in you that makes you. And I don't talk above people. If you really want to learn, I can help you. But you're going to have to not go be brain people all the time. You know, Brother Hagin said this one time, I never forgot it. <laughs> he said, sometimes we make everything letter of the law till we miss what the Spirit's trying to say to us. Yeah. You got chapter and verse for that? No, I just told you what Brother Hagin said. <laughs> but sometimes if you're not careful because we pride ourselves, I do, I don't know about you guys, about being a word person. But normally that just means for most people they're favorite word people. Whatever you got in your refrigerator, that's what you endorse. But, you know, if I brought another scripture and pasted it up there, you'd be ripping it off. Oh, my God. I'm... You're just partial word people. All right. So don't get so technical with God you miss the simplicity that he's trying to get over to you. Even in, and I'm going to do my best on the questions. I'm not hammering that. But even if I couldn't answer it, what's that have to do with what I'm teaching you? <clears throat> All right. Let's go back to Job chapter 4. I'm going to start down a trail with you. And we're going to look at um, personal angels, I call it. Some people call them guardian angels. I don't call them that. But you can call them that if you like. There's, only, there's one example of guardians in the whole entire Bible. That's why I like personal angels better. And that's in Daniel. We don't need to go there three times. Nebuchadnezzar, he was a heathen. He wasn't even a believer. But he did have visions in the nighttime when he went to bed three different times. The holy ones came down from heaven. Or you could have said came out of the realm of the spirit and appeared to him. And he called them watchers in Daniel 4. I'm, I'm in, I, where did I tell you to turn to? Job 4. But I'm quoting something to get you there a little bit. Uh, and, and the word watchers in the Hebrew, all three times it's called guardians. But this is to a heathen king, so I didn't, you know, I'm just telling you that. But nowhere else in the Bible is the word guardian used with angels. You can call them that if that makes you feel warm and toasty. But I'm just saying they're personal angels in this regard. They're, they're assigned to this lady, that lady, and that lady, and that lady, and this lady, and that lady. And every one of you have personal angels assigned to you that are assigned to you. They're not assigned to me. I have angels assigned to me. I have angels assigned to me as a person, a human being, first of all. 
Then I have other angels assigned to me in my healing ministry. And that's grown over the many years. And then I have another angel that defends me because as a prophet. And I will talk to you about the visions maybe tomorrow, if that's permitted for the pastors for me to do that. To the Sunday morning crowd. I got five people coming, praise God. So we're starting down this trail to talk to you about personal angels, angels that would be assigned to you for your life. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. You may have heard somebody said it and you thought, well, that's cute, that's nice, but that's not what I'm teaching you. This is something that could save your life, could protect you in uh, situations you didn't know you were going to find yourself in could do a lot of things for you. So I'd like you to pay attention. And I'll show you the downfall of some people because they didn't use them correctly also. And that's on your side. It's never on God's side. God is always right. And we're the ones that are wrong. If we prayed and it didn't work, we're either not believing or we prayed wrong or something. But you could figure that out. And it's not complicated. <laughs> All right, Job 4 and 18 here. Behold, he put no trust, or we would say faith in the new covenant, this same thing. We put no trust. He put no trust in his heavenly or in his servants and his angels. Look at that. His angels, plural. He charged with folly. We would say it this way. He charged them with foolishness. In other words, he said things that were foolish to the angels that were assigned to protect him, guard him, and preserve him in the planet. And I can tell you what the angels will do if you talk that way. If you talk contrary to the word, nothing. We will do nothing for you. There's another group over here standing to your left. I'm just making that up, but they're here somewhere. And they're called familiar spirits. And they're demonic beings. The same as the angels are on all identical. Some of them do a multitude of things. Some of them do just one thing. It's another realm altogether in that unseen realm. But if you talk wrong, that liberates them to start moving in your behalf, even though you didn't want it to come to pass. And probably most people that get in trouble never realize it's their mouth that put them there or their attitude. I went over this with you last, last night. I'm going to say it again. You've got to learn to forgive people. I, listen, I didn't say they deserve it. <laughs> That's not what I'm teaching. Yeah, I didn't deserve it either. But if people have done things to me wrong, and many of them have, I just forgave them. Because, like she said, Psalm 35 is the angels coming to judgment for people that have mistreated you and you didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes I have to plead with God, please, you know, don't, you know, I'm not holding that against them. So from my side of it, I'm releasing them. Of course, there may be other situations that God's smarter than me. He knows everything. And then people go, well, I don't know why that guy died so young. Well, maybe I do. Maybe God sure knows. He knows why. When you judge and critique people, you should never speak evil of other preachers. And you should, you could say something in a generic way. I do that sometimes, but I never give somebody's name from the pulpit because that would be slander. And then I'm in trouble with God. And then I put a bad image in all your brains about this person. And so I don't do that. I could. I've got a lot of names and phone numbers, but I'm not going to do that to you. Now, so in this passage, I'm going to read the Amplified of this verse. I have it in my Bible here. He puts no trust or faith or confidence, listen, in his heavenly servants. 
See, you have secret service, you just didn't realize it yet. And you know those secret service guys, if you watch our president, whoever's in office, I'm not, I'm not saying that's good or bad, just somebody's in that office constantly. And everything in that office goes with that office. So the office becomes greater than the man. Just like in our office of ministry, my office becomes greater than just me because it gets everything in my mantle gets included in that. You know, the pastor, Fiona's the pastor and Pastor Doug, and I don't know what the rest of you are. You're good believers. But, you know, when they turn the pastor, when they turn a pastor turns over service to me, you're in a prophet's room. You're not in a pastoral room. So there's different equipment in my room that they don't have. And they have equipment in them that I don't carry anymore because I'm not a pastor. And sometimes I say things a little more, mm, I don't know how to say this abruptly or strongly than a lot of preachers. And that's part of my mantle too. Now, I'm not a mean person. I never try to put people down for their ignorance. But I try to educate them to get beyond, beyond the room. There is a room of the unlearned. The New Testament teaches that. Get out of that room for God's sake. It'll kill you. <laughs> what you don't know will kill you about spiritual things. I'm not talking about arithmetic right now. I'm not talking about science. I'm talking about scripturally. Okay, I just wanted you to know that. So you have these heavenly servants that have been assigned to you. I've watched them with our presidents, all of them. And they look sharp. They dress better than me. And they got ties and they got cufflinks and, they, and they're talking into their lapels or their buttons and you know and but I tell you those those dudes are highly trained they could hurt you in a minute if you try to attack our president they'll either kill you on the spot with their hands and their legs or their weapons and they're trained to do that you know one shot one kill that's what they say because they're experts but even at that that's just a man that's been trained to do that we're talking about angels. You get up in the morning, you should realize they're watching you and they're listening. What is he going to say when he gets up? Man, I feel so bad. You know, I'm just not very smart. Well, that's the other group that's listening intently. They're moving closer to the familiar spirits. What's he? Listen to her. Oh, my gosh. Come on, the rest of you. She's going to say something you can do, too. You think I'm teasing you? I'm not. Anyway. And then somebody acts like all the devils went to Africa or something. I don't know what's wrong with people. The devils are present wherever there's humans to try to distract us and imprison us and put us in bondage and reduce us down. And you've got to fight the good fight of faith. You do that with your words. All right. So he didn't get any help out of his angels. He had them, and he had more than one, but they didn't do anything for him because he was talking incorrectly. He put no faith in him, no confidence in him whatsoever. I got on an airplane one time, you know, first class, and big guy sat next to me from Texas, had a belt buckle as big as a hubcap. $3,000 cowboy boots. If you like cowboy boots, that's fine. But anyway, he was t- and he said to me, next to me immediately, he said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. What do you do? He said, I'm a businessman. I'm very wealthy. I said, well, great. And I and then I open my Bible because we're getting ready to taxi, and I usually open my Bible, read Psalm 91, and pray. And I noticed him when the guy put the pedal to the metal down there. He he gripped that thing real hard. His knuckles were turning away. I said, "You like me to include you in this prayer?" Yeah. <laughs> I felt like saying, "Take those boots off, you big sissy." 
<laughs> Give me that belt buckle. People are weird. Yeah. You know, when I was a pastor, that was a code word for my staff. This couple and that couple and that guy over there, they're all Paul people, P-A-W. People are weird. Watch them. Now, with, with good teaching and a, and a general understanding of being able to think, many of them repented and got right. And I always love the ones that shoot their mouth off to me at first and try to impress me with how spiritual they are. And then the honest ones in a year or two, they came back, you know, Pastor, I shot my mouth off to you. And I went, yeah. And said, you know, I thought I knew something before I got here. But after listening to you for a year and a half, I, I realized I didn't know much at all. Just barely found the door of the church. Well, are you doing better now? Yeah. And he said, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. But it'd do you well not to shoot your mouth off so, quite so readily with everybody. Because some of us know you're just, you're blabbering. We know that's not true, and you, you know, you made it sound really like you're really some rock of something. Yeah, anyway, I gotta move on. Let's go to Genesis chapter 48. You getting anything yet? Just talking, I got several scriptures to go through, and I want to talk to the pastors today, you know, corporately to all of us, but about angels assigned to churches, because the pastor would have to be the one to speak to them. Because he's the head of the local church under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this is a story of uh, Jacob who got his name changed. You remember what happened? How did he get his name changed? What happened? He had an encounter with an angel. He wrestled with that angel, and Hosea tells us he prevailed. See, you're not even in the same class as angels. You're in a higher spiritual class than them. Now, they could do things I can't do yet. They could walk through the wall, and they don't have to open the door to do it. And you'll be like that someday, too, in a glorified body. You could do that, but not now. But in the realm of the Spirit, we're sons and daughters, and they are not. They're servants. What did I just read you? His angels. They were servants to Job, and he talked so wrong he couldn't get anything accomplished, at least in the beginning of the book of Job. But later, you know, he repented. He said, yeah, he said, I shot my mouth off to you, Father, and I didn't know what I was saying. Forgive me. He said, okay, and I'm going to send your unbelieving friends to you, too. And when they repent, you forgive them. And they'll get delivered and they'll get healed. And so the book of Job turned out great, and God got rid of that naggy wife. Well, she was a pistol. You know, you know what her attitude was when he began to be a spiritual guy? She said, curse God and die. What kind of deal is that? Your wife telling you, curse God and die. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing you. So Jacob became Israel in the scriptures because he had an encounter with the angels. And so his son brings two of the grandsons to his father, who's getting ready to leave his body and leave the planet. He didn't go to heaven yet because heaven wasn't open. You know, what Adam did sealed that off for a period of time until Jesus' blood could cleanse all that atmosphere up in heaven, you know, and put it on the mercy seat and make redemption available for mankind to enter into that. And Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, brought the captivities captive. He brought them up with him to heaven. And it's another sermon. I'm not trying to go there. I'm just talking about, I mean, Jacob here. And he's going to pray for these grandboys. 
verse 14, Genesis 48:14. And Israel, that's Jacob, stretched forth his right hand, laid upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head. And the reason he did that, and his son said, Dad, you got it all messed up. Well, can't you see anymore? Because Manasseh was the oldest. He should have put his right hand on Manasseh, but Manasseh violated things, and he got dis- he got taken out of that position because of his behavior. So he blessed them like that. And then it says, and he blessed Joseph, that was his son, that's, that's Jacob's son or Israel's son, and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long. Now notice he's having a long life. Unto this day, the angel which redeemed me, so it must have been a personal angel. It didn't say he redeemed his wife, it said he redeemed me. He says, the angel which redeemed me from all evil. And by the way, you know, Deuteronomy 7.15 says disease is evil. Now, not people who are sick are evil, but the disease itself comes from the evil one. Now, sometimes people do things, either knowingly or unknowingly, that are evil participating with darkness, and that opens the door for the devil to attack them. But I'm not saying that's true of everybody. Are you listening to me? It's always God's will for you to be healed. Always. Because he never changes. And he says he's not partial. So if he did it for anybody, he'd do it for me. That's how I think. That's the way you should think. If he did it for anybody, he's going to do it for me. (laughs) If he did it for anybody, because he's not partial. All right. The angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads. Now, here we hear something interesting. Angels can bless. And he's in his lineage. He's in these two grandsons are in Jacob's lineage. And I've told you this already. I'm going to repeat it. I think I told you this. You know, in Luke 15, you can look it up later. There's angels come. Two angels come. When you get ready to go home to be with the Lord, the angel that's been with you in the earth, he's decommissioned for you. He stays in the earth. But he's decommissioned from you because you're not there anymore. You're leaving. And God says two angels to come. I call it the heavenly limo service. He sends these two angels to come take you home. So you're not, when you, you miniature out of your body, you're, they're normally in that room already waiting. And some people that are spiritual, they will see visions. They'll, well, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Man, it's just the angels in there. My wife, when she was passing, one of the nurses came in and talked to me one day. She's head nurse of the whole floor. I don't know, probably 70 nurses under her. She said, you're a preacher, right? And I said, yes, I am. She said, well, what? I want to ask you a question about something. When, and on this floor, we have a lot of people die every day. And when I'm in there with the other nurses and they're getting ready to pass, I perceive that there are other beings in there, but I never see anybody. Can you answer that? I said, I sure can. If they're going to heaven, the angels are there with them. Sometimes they'll see them, sometimes not. But they're sent as a limo service to take those people to be with God immediately when they leave their body. They're there to take them. So there shouldn't be any fear in people. She said, well, I perceived that, but I didn't know what they were. I said, well, they're angels. And you will not see them unless you have what the Bible calls a vision, a dream, or you operate in discerning of spirits, which you'd have to be a spirit-filled believer to operate in that. And I didn't question her about her salvation right then. She asked me a question. I answered it. So... So now these angels are going to take care of his... Let me read on. Bless the lads. He asked his angel to bless these grandsons. And let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. 
Not get drunk at the senior prom and get killed in a car accident. How about that one? I was a pastor a long time. I saw that happen in my own church. Young girls get connected to the wrong kind of boys. Some of our young men got connected to the wrong kind of girls. I just didn't let that happen with my kids. I don't know about you. My daughter came home one time and said, I think I like so-and-so. She mentioned this more. I said, I do not like him, Jessica. I want you to stay away from him. I want you to drop it right now. And if you try to lie to me and go see him, God's going to tell me, and I'm going to be very irritated at you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not playing with you. I'm, I'm serious. I loved her. But, you know, I cast the devil out of both my kids at least once when they were teenagers. Most teenagers needed about 55 times, but... Yeah, you really real? I'm really real. I'm just telling you. And I did it in my house. We didn't have a prayer line and line them up in front of the whole crowd. Because God said something's dealing with your kids. Two different things. Anyway, so she dropped him. She was always more compliant. My daughter. She was. My son pushed the envelope. So a girl showed up at Christmas at my house. It was snowing. It felt, I felt like it was a Hallmark moment. The only thing I don't remember is she had a scarf on. Hallmark, you know. My brother. So she came to the house, rang the doorbell, I came to the door. I said, yes. She said, uh, I came to see your son. I said, did he invite you? No. Well, I sure didn't either. Get her. Turn around, honey. Get in your car and drive away. Then I went upstairs to my son. I said, you know the little blonde-headed cutie that tells all the boys she loves them? She was at the front door, and I turned her away. Have nothing to do with her. She's a foo-foo girl. What does that mean? It means anything you want it to mean. But it means something to me that's not good. Foo-foo girl. My wife was so irritated with her because she told five of our teenage boys she loved them, so she got all the boys in one room with the parents and told the whole story. And made those guys look silly because they, you know, young men, they don't know anything. You girls just barely know little, but the boys, they don't know nothing. (laughs) But most of you are ladies, so you can take it. The men have to deal with that somehow. (laughs) So this grandpa was leaving. I told Diana, of course, she went before me. That was my wife. I said, if I go go for you, you get all the grandkids together or great-grandkids. You know, I'm living long enough for that. I believe it will. Get them in the room with me and let me prophesy over them, lay hands on them and commission the angels, and then I can go home. So I guess I have to tell that to my kids now because they're still in the earth with me. You know, if I go home someday. You know, I'm going to go home someday, I know. But not soon. All right. Now, let's go over here to Matthew 18. Have you learned anything yet? Even in the Old Testament, that that man had angels, and I told you this publicly. I'm just shocked at the amount of revelation the book of Genesis has. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they they just knew so much about these angels. And we get to Moses, he comes out of Egypt, and and the Bible says there was two companies came out with him. One were the Israelis, and the others were the angels. (laughs) Yeah. There's just so many different, you know, we're just highlighting a few things, but I want to talk this, we're talking about personal angels. Now, here's the big thing. If Jesus didn't talk about it, I don't think it would be necessary for me to talk about it, but he talked about it, and I'm going to give you the verse. Matthew 18, verse 10 says, Take heed, Matthew 18, 10, are you with me? 
Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. These are real small children. I studied this out. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now, let me uh, clarify something here. Uh, so, first of all, notice it doesn't say there had to be saved parents. I think we read things in the Bible that we assume we knew or our grandpa told us, and he didn't know anything either about this. You, your grandmother could have been a great prayer warrior, but maybe she didn't know about angels. You know, a lot of the generations before us were excelling in certain areas of spirituality, but there were some blank places that somehow nobody had any revelation about it. You know, I've read over a hundred books on angels, and I shredded 97 of them. I was glad to do it. Because <laughs> it didn't have anything in there you could use. Why write a pretty book and have a nice cover and just full of nonsense? I don't care what your name is or what Ph.D. or L-I-T-T dot, you know, you, you got. That don't impress me at all. I want to know if you're intelligent. I just want to know if you're smart spiritually or you're just ignorant. And most of them just totally ignorance. And I just put them in the shredder, and I was thrilled to do it. Bzz, 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 bzz. <laughs> Only kept three of them, and one of them's my book. <laughs> so now I want to clarify this about heaven. I think I went over this with you last night. If you want the other scripture, I'm giving it to you. Second Corinthians 12. Verses 1, 2, and 3 there, Paul said, I knew a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. And when I talk about my visions, I identify with that because when I'm out of my body and having a vision, I'm still Michael and I know everything as well as I know it right now in my body. If anything, I know things more intently when I'm over in that other world. And I only come out to, to have a vision. And I'm not having visions every other day. Let me clarify this. 72, I've only had maybe maybe 12 or 15 major visions, and the ones I share are about seven or eight of them. Because, you know, remember my argument with the Lord, I don't want to have to tell everybody everything. He said, well, you share the major ones, and if I need you to do more, I'll tell you. I said, fine, that's great. Because I don't want else. You know, remember he said, see that or else, Michael. Are you going to obey me or not? Now, God, let me clarify that. God's not bullying me. But if you think you could act smart, Alex, to God and get away with it, you're sadly mistaken. There will be consequences to pay down the road. And then you go, oh, I don't know what happened. You happened. You happened being a smart Alex to God and telling God you don't want to do that. And if you don't do it, then he told you to do it. You're in disobedience. You, you become a giant target for the devil. And all of his forces. <laughs> you remember the guy had long hair caught up in the tree? They filled him full of darts. I think he was David's son. He was a jerk. <laughs> I don't want to end up like that with darts all through me. All right, just simmer down. I'm not. But I was three, talking to, over Second Corinthians 12. I'm not going over there with you, but I gave you the reference. 12, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And he said, I was caught up. Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Well, when I saw that, I realized there must be three different heavens then that he calls heaven. And I, this is the way the Lord explained it to me. If I'm wrong, you can correct me, but not today. He said the first realm of the Spirit is called heaven. It's a heavenly realm. It's not of this world. And it exists right along with this natural one. You've got angels that work with me, and they all come with me when I go on a trip. I don't have to buy them a seat either in a plane. That's very economical. 
and the, the healing angels are with me today. The angel, you know, that does lungs and stuff and others that come, come and go sometimes, some of them. And then I have two angels that work with me in the healing ministry, and they restore and repair people's bodies, like last night. And you'll see some of that today, probably, maybe tomorrow. Anyway, I'm not trying to bog you down. I'm trying to help you. So this first heavenly realm, because it's not of this natural realm. You can't feel it and taste it. It's another unseen realm. It's not unreal. It's just unseen. When I say that, I always like to use this illustration. Please tell me you don't believe in the weatherman more than you do the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he comes on at night, 11 o'clock, news going to rain in the morning. you got your raincoat, you got your umbrella by the back door, and you haven't felt a drop of anything. It even looks sunny outside. But you're prepared for the rain because that guy that's a meteorologist that knows something he's supposed to know about weather, he told you that. So when I say something told me that from an unseen realm, I have faith in Jesus more than the weatherman. Now, it would be smart if you want to listen to him and bring your umbrella or you don't want to get drenched. But see, see the comparison? We do believe in things we can't see currently, and we act on it every day by people we trust. We don't even know how they live. They may be giant heathens in the unseen world. <laughs> so anyway, this first realm is unseen but not unreal, and it exists right alongside of us and all of you. You all have personal. If you're born again, you have an angel. Even if you're born, you have an angel assigned to you. Now, here's a question that comes up with people. I'll answer this now. Maybe I won't have to later. People say, well, what about these parents? They had this child, and it died at six. Well, you know, I don't know anything about the parents. I don't know anything about their lineage. I doubt very seriously that any of the parents knew a lot about God's things. They could have, and maybe they didn't know enough to do something. Or maybe they didn't know about angels, how angels could protect their family. Are you listening to me? You know, I knew this back when my kids were first being born. Well, not so much with my daughter. She was born in 79. I think that's right. But I started studying it in 1980. But I did make a list. I'll maybe tell you this could help you. You already have kids or you're going to have children. Maybe I don't know who's married, unmarried, whatever. I made a list of everything. My wife and I, we were married. Made a list. She was pregnant with our first baby. It's a girl. Her name's Jessica. She's 42 now. We made a list of all the weirdnesses in our family that we knew about. And it was a pretty, a pretty good list. Some of it physical stuff. Some of it mental stuff. Some of it we didn't even know how to describe it. We just put anything else that we don't know about. I wrote it out. I put Galatians 3:13 and 14 at the bottom and Deuteronomy 28 on the top. And I laid my hands on that paper in front of my wife. I stopped the curse of the law in my family from this day forth. My kids will never have to endure this. And their kids. And life hadn't been perfect, but God's kept my kids and kept my grandkids. You know, I remember way back when I was a lot younger and much dumber, I said to God, I'll go any place you send me on the planet. I'll do what you tell me. But I'm going to hold you to this. You're going to have to keep my kids for me, that they'll love you like I do or more. And I'm going to hold you to that. He said, I can handle it. I said, all right, then I'll handle my side. And then when my wife went home, all of a sudden I had this thought, maybe I'll just go home too. And the Lord brought this up. Remember when you were 38, Michael? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And you told me you'd stay in the earth as long as it took, even if you had to be in pain the rest of your life. Yes, sir. 
That's what you told me. I'm going to hold you to that now. Get that thought out of your head. That's the devil talking. So I had to rebuke the devil when my, just a few minutes after my wife died. I was with her alone. And the devil was trying to tell me, you just ought to go home too. And I knew it wasn't God. And God just immediately jumped in on that and said, remember you told me. You told me when you were 38, you are 72. You told me you would stay in the earth until you completed my plan. I said, yes, sir, I did. Thank you for reminding me. It's hard to swallow right now, but I'm taking it. I'm going to stay with it. He said, good, good boy. All right. Just settle some things like that in your life. That's all free. That don't involve angels. But anyway, the second heavenly realm is the realm of the planets, the moons, the galaxies. Oh, my gosh. I told you this last night. Somebody at NASA sent up a satellite somehow, and it's out in outer space. I don't even know how many thousands, maybe millions of miles it is away from this planet. But it's sending back pictures of other, other planets, and some of them look like Earth. Well, you think about that. I don't think about it. I'm just telling you what I'm recording. <laughs> Somebody asked me, you think there's anybody in outer space? I said, well, God lives out there somewhere. That's where all my dead relatives are at that love Jesus. They're living on a planet called heaven. And it doesn't have any curse on it like this does. It is heaven. It's just heaven out there. But sure, there's other planets out there. What I'm saying is, that's the stellar heavens. That's the sec- And then there's a planet called heaven, the Bible says, in the north of the universe. It's a planet called heaven. You know, earth was just a baby, kind of made the image of heaven when it was created. But Adam ruined it for all of us. God bless him. All right. So when it says heaven, now listen to me, I'm still talking about this verse that Jesus mentions. They're angels, T-H-E-I-R. Did it say that? This is my Bible. This is my watch, my coat, my tie, my shoes. This is me. But these are things I own. They're mine. They're not yours. They're mine. <laughs> so I have angels that are mine too. You do too. You do, too. You have angels that belong to you. They're part of your redemption in a sense that they'll keep you safe in this planet. This is the planet where you've got to deal with the devil. Why would you need an angel in heaven to protect you? There's nothing to be protected from. Use your head here. There's no battles up there you're going to fight. All right. I'm making it as simple as I can. So Jesus talked about angels being assigned to young children. And then finally, in Isaiah 6, you might write this scripture down, 1 through 8, the prophet Isaiah said, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train or his robe filled the temple. Isaiah is on this planet having this vision. You follow me? It's like I've got my feet on the earth right here. But he's looking right up into heaven. And he sees the heavenly throne room, and he sees these seraphim. That's another form of an angel. They're six-winged creatures. they got six wings on them. They're unusual-looking, and they move very fastly. And they're up in heaven around the throne room, and they fly around the throne room. And every time they make a lap, they cry, holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says the doorpost in heaven in that temple up there rattle at their voice. Their voice is so powerful. And then there's cherubims. Those are special angels that guard holy places and holy holy territory. There was two on, you know, one on each side of the mercy seat. And they, there was one back in the garden. 
You know, when Adam sinned, he said, oh, my God, I can't let him get back in this garden and eat of the tree of life and death forever because then he's eternally lost, but he was going to redeem his man. So he placed that angel at the doorway, the gate or the entrance into, you know, the Garden of Eden to keep him out. He had a sword to keep him out because he didn't want to leave man in an eternal lost state or we'd all be going to hell. I hope you appreciate this. (laughs) Okay, I do. And so angels sometimes take you into places. Even the angels work with me. I sent them before I ever came here, back where I live, that, Father, the angels will help me get to the place you have for us in our meeting in Palmyra because they work with me with every meeting. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying what I know. If I did, if, you know, if I didn't have them and I'd be up here lying, you know, liars go to hell too. Not just somebody you think's going, but liars can go there. So I'm just talking to you. Are you following me? Okay, so Isaiah was on this planet, but he's looking into heaven. He's here, but he's looking. These angels have a capacity. I don't know how it works. It's just a spiritual operation where they can look up and see the Father's face, but they're not physically present with him. Angels, those angels that are assigned to us and our children. They're here with us. They're here with us. Even if you never see one, you should believe for that. You definitely should believe. That's faith. Faithfully, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. John 20, isn't that what that said? Yeah. So we're seeing. And by the way, let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Look at another scripture or two. I'm not quite done. Revelation 1, Jesus has... A personal angel assigned to him. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Because he was birthed here. The only legal entrance into this planet is through the womb of a woman. I think Pastor mentioned a womb. The ladies have wombs. And that's what produces offspring. That and the seed coming together, the seed and the egg. You understand that if you understand, you know, biology. And so, Jesus was born here of Mary. He didn't have his, her blood in him because the Holy Ghost takes always the blood of the Father when you have relations and produce offspring. So Jesus, and it says this right here in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it or revealed it by his angel unto his servant John. So Jesus has a personal angel because he's birthed here. Now, that doesn't exclude other angels because you remember he was in uh, the two places in the Bible that began me to study this intensely was Mark chapter 1. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of the devil, Mark 1.13, and the wild beasts were there. This is not a zoo. This is not a guy running around in a a truck with a tranquilizer gun to just to kill these animals that try to eat Jesus. And they were wild animals. That means they eat people. How many know lions eat you if they're hungry? And you're, you're available. <laughs> you remember Daniel, he got thrown into the pit, but he had an angel that came, grabbed one of those lions by the throat. This is my interpretation, and I'm more authorized than most people because I've studied it. Choked him and said, if you boys want something, bring it. If not, simmer down. <laughs> and they all, all the lions simmered down. And Daniel said, get up here close to me as, hard, as cold in this dirt. 
I need somebody by my head. That's better. Oh, that's good. Scoot up a little closer. I'm cold down here. Oh, that's wonderful. And they just had a big party. And you know, the king, he was have, he was on Valium that night because he liked Daniel. But because of his decree, these crooked guys, these liars, which you always have liars, even in churches, unfortunately, called gossips. Anyway, they... Yeah, I've been in this a long time. Don't try to shuck and jive me. I already got it figured out. Anyway, the the king came next day. Daniel, Daniel, you okay? He said, yeah, sure. I, I didn't do anything wrong towards God or you. And it says the guys that drumped up, drew the charges up against Daniel, he threw them in, husbands, wives, and children, and they were dead for they hit the bottom of the pit. Those lions were not on some kind of dietary system. They were hungry. The only reason they didn't eat Daniel, that, that angel showed up and said, if you want it, I'll tear you apart. If not, simmer down. And they simmered down and did whatever Daniel told them to do. And he was delivered, rescued out of that horrible pit. I wouldn't want to have been there and heard all those lines chewing people up. It's a pretty gross thing, but that's just what happens. But God can protect us. So in Jesus' ministry, when he was first out in the wilderness, the Bible says the angels were there. Angels, it doesn't say he saw them, but he said they were there. And in one translation, it said they continually helped him. Now, they didn't give him food because he was fasting. Are you listening? The second time Jesus had the most pressure, this is my opinion, two pressures in his life, that moment, 40 days of fasting, and this time in the garden when he's praying, knowing he's going to face the cross. He didn't know the New Testament, you understand that, but he knew Psalm 88, Psalm 22. That all describes the crucifixion and the grossness that goes with that. It's a very painful, slow death. And so... He's realizing that, and he's trying to pray. And let's go over to Luke 22. Look at this a minute. I'm showing you some other areas where the angels were involved with him that was not his personal angel. It doesn't say that. It could have been, but it doesn't say that. So I don't read things in my Bible that it doesn't say. But it says here, Luke 22, verse 42 and 43. And Jesus is praying, and he said, Father, if you be willing... Remove this cup from me, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him, one angel, and it appeared unto him, it says, from heaven, strengthening him. Now, this is what I say about this, from heaven. Now, I personally, this is the way I interpret that because of my study on heaven. I think the angel was already there with him. But all of a sudden, because he's praying and he's praying to the Father, Father, if I could get out of this, please. You know, nobody had ever been separated from the Father and went to hell that got out. Nobody in the history of mankind. Jesus is the only one because he was innocent. He bore our sins. And if he would opened his mouth, you know, I think he told that, I don't know if it was Pontius Pilate or Herod, they had beat him to a pulp. I mean, I, you probably saw the movie, Mel Gibson, The Passion. That don't even, I mean, it's a great movie and it's emotional, but that don't even say what it fully is because Isaiah 52 said they beat him so bad and the diseases on him that came that took, that we would have went to us on his body. He didn't even look like a human on the cross. Are you listening to me? But this angel was there when he's praying. He just steps out of that unseen realm into this realm. And notice it says he strengthened him. Now, see, listen to me carefully here. I thought when I first started studying this subject, this is the way I'm thinking. I'm religious. I'm not very spiritual yet. I'm not very word-oriented yet, but I'm hungry. 
I'm thinking if I was Jesus, I would have thought this way. I said, an angel came to help me. He said, why don't you go help one of those humans? Don't you know who I am? But that's just arrogance and pride. And that's not at all what Jesus did. I'm trying to show you something here. If the head of the church needed help and angels strengthened him, who do you think you are? When you're in pressureful situation, you don't think you need help? I know I do. And just like the angels strengthened Jesus, God's not partial to any of us. If we need help, he can strengthen us. One of the visions I'll talk to you about tomorrow. I guess all of you won't be back tomorrow. I'm sorry. You can maybe get the tape. You'll be, Lisa will be here. Everybody, Lisa, she'll be here. The pastors are coming. Pastors are going to give it up and come. <laughs> but see, that's the way religion thinks like that. Well, if you were Jesus, you'd think, well, I'm son of God. I'm the Messiah. What do you mean you're going to help me? That's not his attitude at all. His attitude is, one, listen to me, of humility. And I'm saying that to all of you. Who do you think you are if the head of the church as a man in this planet, in earth, he needs help? And he welcomed their help. He valued their help. In the right way, he took advantage of what was available to him. What do you think we're doing? We're going to go through life and never know nothing about angels, never receive anything from them, and just be a, I don't know what you call it, not very smart person. If Jesus couldn't do it without their help, (laughs) <laughs> that got me, that passage in Mark 1, the passage in Luke 22. You listening? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's just amazing. All right. Now, so <clears throat> strengthening him. Praise God. All right. Let's go back to Psalm 34. I'm getting towards the end. I'm not to the end yet. And I know Pastor said she'd cut me some slack. Maybe give me a little... I'm going to take a break after this, and then we'll come back and see what we do then. And we've still got at least an hour and 15, but this will take me a few more minutes if you give it to me. I wanted to give you some ideas. This is what I said to the Father when I got through up to this point in my teaching, when I'm studying it privately. Is there any scripture that you would say, Father, was epitomizes what is required of me to qualify for their help, to have angels help me fully? And he pointed out this scripture, which I knew was in the Bible. It's in Psalm 34, and it's verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Now, it is true there is an angel called the angel of the Lord, but listen to me, all the angels... (laughs) When you're in covenant with God, this will help you. This is how I decipher things in my own, because I'm a covenant-minded person. See, if I'm covenant-minded, let's say uh, uh, Sean and I are in covenant, and we are, that means I'm going to do all I can to make him successful. It's not about me then. It's, I'm in a covenant with this man, so I'm going to try to give him an advantage and favor with me to do everything I can to promote him. And him on the other side, as he's been with me very strongly for 20 years, I told him four or five years ago, if you ever want to start a church, I'd be 110% behind you because I know you. But he said, no, I'm called to help you, Dad. And now he helps my son, pastor of the church. He's on staff. But you see, when, when God says the angel of the Lord, all the angels are gods in the sense of him being their creator. But because I'm in covenant with him, and you are too if you're in Christ, then everything God has is mine. Everything I have is his. 
I asked him a few years ago, have I ever disobeyed you financially? He said, never. I said, praise God. How about everything else? Well, that's another story. <laughs> but I've always been, let's, what's kept me alive in the planet? Quick to repent when I miss it. Quick to forgive you when you miss it towards me. You do something against me. I just forgive it. Quick to repent myself if I miss it and quick to forgive others when they miss it and try to do damage to me. I'm telling you, these two things right here have kept me alive. (laughs) One time the Lord said, the only thing that's keeping you right now, Michael, is the fact that you're a tither and you've never quit. I said, what does that say about my life? Oh, God, I repent. (laughs) You think I'm teasing you. I'm not. But anyway, you know, and he brought me through. So I'm going to say something else here about angels. Angels, the reason I know it's not the angel of the Lord. Angels, I don't care what angel it is, he can only be in one place at one time. The Holy Ghost is omniscient. He could be, he, I mean, he's right here now, but if I ran from my calling and went to Africa and hid behind a bush, he's there going to convict me. I can't get away from the Holy Ghost. But angels only can be in one place at one time. I'm trying to help you. So the angel of the Lord, wouldn't, it wouldn't be the angel of the Lord because it said he does things for them. That's plural. He'd have to be in, you know, however many million of Christians are on the planet at the same and he can't do that. So that's not the angel of the Lord. I don't know if you're hatching this or not. I'm, you have to realize that I've been studying this for 42 years. I've spent a lot of hours asking God stuff and trying to figure it out, rightly dividing the word. Covenant's been a big, a big blessing to me to understand I'm in a covenant relationship. All the relationships I have that are meaningful to me are all covenant relationships. And if they're not, then they're not that important. <laughs> Jesus, my wife, my, my children, my staff, people I know and trust, and my sons and daughters, spiritual sons and daughters all over the planet that want to be connected to me. I'm just talking here. I'm in covenant. with, And some of them have betrayed the covenant, stabbed me in the back, and did said things about me that weren't true and stole my money and... I forgive them. I just forgive them. I don't go back if they do things like that that's evil against me intentionally. But I just say, well, praise God, I I don't have anything to apologize for. I've been right towards you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just talking to you here. I don't think you really realize who I am or what I'm saying yet. I've supported missionaries around the world, and one of them I gave thousands of dollars to, and she was bleeding out in some other nation of the earth, and I prayed for her, called, and she, and that stopped in her body. And she got mad at me because of the book I wrote on spiritual fathers back there. That's the most meaty book I've written. If you want to grow up, get it, or get mad at me, either one. I don't care, but it's right. What I wrote is all the scriptures are in that book, spiritual father or spiritual failure. That's why people that don't stay in a local church, they're bastards. They don't have a spiritual father. Or they jump around in the city to all the friends of them. Or they jump around in my city to all my ex-friends, go to their church now until they say something wrong they don't like. Then they go to another church, and they're just spiritual tramps. Because my spiritual father taught, and they, you get to where nobody wants you. I know nobody's saying amen to this, but it's all right, and I'm not going to take any of it back. The name of the book is Spiritual Fathers or Spiritual Failure. So when people shoot themselves in the foot, 
and try to hurt me, I just say, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't have anything to repent of. They got mad at me and came to my office and practically cussed me out and said, I don't want nothing to do with you after you wrote this book. I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. There's the door. I've never done anything. I've, I told the lady she was the biggest smart aleck of the two. I said, I've never done anything against you, lady. And when you're bleeding out, you called me and said, I'm bleeding. I can't stop bleeding. I've been to the doctor. I can't stop. I prayed for you, and God stopped the bleeding. When you got in trouble with the IRS, I bailed you out to the tune of $5,000. And now you want to leave me over a book I wrote that I got scriptures to back up. You're not right. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm innocent, so go your way. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. The pastor says thank you. I appreciate you. We're just talking here. And if you don't belong to this church, that's fine. This is a corporate meeting for women. I think all of you are women pretty much. There's a few men here, a couple in the back. Okay, so I'm going to give you this verse here. When we get just a few more minutes, we'll be done. We really will with this session. All right, so let's look at this. The word encamp here in verse 7, the angel encamps, it means to encircle or surround you. Think about that. The angels encircle you and surround you. It says, uh, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear, that fear him. That's talking about fearing God. And the word fear in the Hebrew here means to worship to respect, to be devoted to, to respect in word or action. So we're not talking about just when Fiona gets up and says, let's lift our hands and we all obey. That's right so that she does that or any praise and worship leader. And we're singing songs together because the words are up. Thank you for putting that up, guys. I didn't realize that was up behind me, the scriptures. Uh, But it's a worshipful life. You can't say, well, I go to church. That qualifies you. It it qualifies you minimally, but that doesn't mean you're a worshiper of God every day. In other words, we should spend some time every day because he's our, I think Pastor Fiona said that, he's our priority. How could you say you love him and you don't spend any time with him? Not just reading the Bible, but just fellowshipping with him. I really appreciate people that want to fellowship with me because I'm me. Not just people looking at me to endorse them and promote them, get in my meetings because they think they can pass their cards out in the back room to all my sons. Now, I'm just a real person, and I've been through some things, and I just watch humans, and humans are strange people, especially the Paul ones. People are weird, P-A-W. Now, don't be looking at each other in a parking lot saying, Paul, 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 don't do that. <laughs> All right. So the angel of the Lord surrounds us and encircles us when we live in a lifestyle that's devoted to God and we respect him in word and action. We're not watching shows we shouldn't watch. We're not going to places we shouldn't be. I'm not taking the Holy Ghost somewhere where he would be grieved. And, you know, we shouldn't be doing those kinds of things. You follow what I'm saying? And so we're just, we're people that love God and we worship him. And then it says, and he delivereth them. This interesting word in the Hebrew, it means to escape wholly, to deliver fully, or to liberate. So when you are doing these things, this one verse here, verse 7, the angels are encamping and surrounding around you. 
and they are helping you because you're a person of worship that worships God. You worship his word. You, you thank God for your pastors. You thank God for your family. You thank God for everything that's going right. And you pray about things that aren't going right. Use the word there. But what I'm saying is the angels will come and they will cause you to escape wholly and to deliver you fully and to liberate you. Hallelujah. Okay, now let's talk for just a minute because I wanted to touch on this a little bit. Let's go to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter uh, 2, I think it is. We'll start there. Now, you know, I had to take Greek in seminary. I think I told you that. And because of that, sometimes I I can look things up. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not like uh, Brother Rick, Pastor Rick Renner. He's really scholarly. He is really excellent when it comes to the Greek language. Uh, but here, like, for example, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, um, we're talking about churches and angels assigned to churches. Now, that would be angels assigned to churches, so that would fall under the jurisdiction of the pastors. They have the authority with that because they're the ones God put in the church to rule and reign in the church, not to dominate you. Read my book on spiritual fathers. It's simple. You just need somebody in your life that you're have a covering you need somebody in your life that you could be accountable to and you know if you think you're going to do something drastic like get married uh you ought to ask your pastors about it. you know one young lady in my church i questioned her i said somebody told me you had a boyfriend you're kind of tight with and she said yeah and i said well how come i never see him well he don't want to come to church i said bring him i want to want him you know, TSA, wanting, beep, what's that? What's that? Oh, beep, 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 what's that? And this was her response to me. Well, I really love him, and why is that? Well, he's a good kisser. So you know me and my love, I fired right back at her. I said, honey, you can teach anybody to be a good kisser. Is he going to pay the bills, and is he going to be loyal to you? How's he treat his mother? Does he have a steady job, for God's sake? No. I said, honey, you're, you're shopping in the wrong place. But see, young people, sometimes they don't. And even older people fall for that. He's a good kisser. She, I said, kissing won't pay your bills. It'll get you pregnant probably, but it's not going to pay your bills. I have to explain things to people. People like that, I wonder how they find the floor in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Paul, you know, and then some people, you know, they plan to do something major with their life, but they never come and talk to the pastor or this is what you do. You come in and you say, this is what I'm going to do. What do you think? Somebody did that to me one time. I said, doesn't matter what I think you already decided. I'll see you. There's the door. Bye bye. You should have came to me in the beginning. What if I didn't like that? What if I felt there? What if I told you if you do that, you'll be dead in six years? What if you do that, you're going to tear up your family. Your kids are going to run away with weird, wild people. You know, sometimes some of us know a few things. And I mean, not because I'm a prophet, just because I'm a man of God. I was their pastor, so there were spiritual operations in me to help the sheep. I'm still helping sheep, but on a little different level. You can kind of tell us, I think, a little different personality than a pastor would be. 
But you just have to help people think right. And when they've already figured it out and they ask for my stamp of approval, I said, I'm not going to stamp that. A couple came to me for counseling. And, of course, my secretary, she knows how I run. I'm not a pastor anymore, so don't ask me. They people wanted to get married. They go to my church. The girl did. And they came in, and uh, she, my secretary, Donna, she said, well, doctor's going to require you to come see him about four times to talk about premarital everything, how you spend your money, sex, your past, being a man, being a woman. He's going to talk to you about that in some depth so you could start off with at least a little plus that you know something about being married. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs. Sean, I'm going to ask you to come pat me on the back if they don't say amen in a minute. So they came the first time, and I'm praying that morning where they came. The Lord said, I don't want you to marry him. So they came in, they sat down, and they got their, I got their Bibles out, and they said, uh, well, what do we do first? I said, well, first of all, the Lord told me not to marry you. You want to tell me? And they said, well, why? I said, maybe you need to talk. Why? There must be something funny here going on. You're the only couple in... 40-some years that God's ever told me not to lay my hands on you and not to marry you. Well, we're already married. So you just like the color scheme of my church is what you're going to take pictures. You go do that someplace else. I'm not interested. I don't even charge for my marriages. But you just lied to me in a presuming way, thinking you were coming to me innocent, I thought, but now you've already been married and probably had sex before that was even thought about, getting married. What are you trying to do with yourself? I'm not going to marry you. I mean, God told me not to put my hands on you. I'm not putting my hands on you. I don't care what you do. You go get somebody else paying 50 bucks, they'll marry you. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing a game with people. I'm glad I, you're glad I'm not your pastor. Well, if you feel like that, I'm glad you're not a sheep in my church. I'm not a pastor anymore. Now, some things could be overlooked if people were repentant, but they were just kind of proud of that, I think. And I said, no, I'm not going to change anything. God told me not to do it. I'm not doing it. Unless he visits me right now in the next five seconds, I'm done with you. So, anyway, I don't know how that relates to angels, but just figure it out. Okay, here, let me share this with you, and I'm, I'll be done in just a minute, I really will. I know you didn't like some of that, but that's okay. I'm not, I'm not being mean. Um, chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 1, and he repeats this same concept seven times in the book, chapters 2, 3, and 4, I think it is, the seven churches. But it says, unto the angel, now because I knew Greek, I looked that up, and the word angel is listed there in the Greek New Testament. The word for angel in Greek is angelos. The word for shepherd or pastor is poimen. Two different Greek words. They're not even spelled alike, don't sound alike. The word angel is used, and I've heard good men that, you know, I somewhat respected until they said this. They were trying to say that all this was written to the pastors of the church. But that's not what that says. When you go back to the original language, to, to the angel of the church, write and say this and that and the other. So all churches in every seven, every different levels, all these seven churches, it's written to the angel of the church. And the angel, the angel of the church is assigned to a church to help that church prevail and to help that church move forward. Now, the angels can't preach the gospel. And they are limited even in the revelation. Peter says that, Second Peter 1, 
I think it's verse 12 or Second Peter 2 and 12. The angels desire to look into something. They don't know what I know. They don't know what you know. But they do what they're told. This is an interesting fact. In all my years with angels, none of them ever have said no to me. None of them ever looked at me and said, I'm not going to do that. No, they don't do that. They just obey if it's the Bible. We're not like humans. You know, sometimes humans, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help you, Dr. Jacobs. And you never see it. You never, you never hear an explanation about it. They just lied. They didn't do anything they said they were going to do. But angels aren't like that. And so I'm showing you that the messenger uh, of the church, messengers, that's what they are. Angels are messengers. That's what the word angel means in Hebrew and Greek, basically, messengers. The, the pastor is the pastor to the church to take the church forward, to feed the sheep and cause the church to grow up, mature, not only numerically but spiritually mature. Now, I'm going to show you something here about these angels if you put them to work. And let me show you one other thing. Are you following me? Every church has an angel, if it's a real church. Now, I couldn't guarantee if some businessman that's just really smart and knows how to gather people and talks a good talk, a lot of people fall for that and join the church and give him their money and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, pay their tithes. And he may not even be a real pastor, so I don't know if that would be a real church. I'm just talking. My My assessment would be no, but... If God didn't tell you to start it and God didn't put you in here. A pastor was telling me, Pastor Doug, in a good way, just sharing with me his heart about how this church started and originally and the original pastor and how he was here for a long time. And then he gave it to somebody else and then they threw him out, the original founder of the church. Oh, I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn now, my Pastor Doug. And just put him out. How, how would you do that to a person? I don't understand that. And then Pastor Doug found out about the church, you know, maybe wanting a pastor, and he at least saw somebody and talked to somebody, and he said he was one of seven, I think is what he said. But in a way, he ended up receiving the ability to pastor this church and came, him and Fiona, of their own free will, to help this church. That's a real pastor. I'm sure he didn't know all the ins and outs of who he was dealing with. You know, you all, per se. You know what I mean. I don't mean, I'm not throwing that at you as a smart lady. I'm throwing it at you as a real, realistic. You don't know people until you live with them. And that's why the pastors are so essential to the church. I, I know I'm a five-fold ministry gift. I'm a prophet. I can teach too. You can tell that. But I'm primarily a prophet, so I'm a little bit different in my approach to things. Not weird. I'm just different. I, but I think out of the five, the, the pastor is the most essential because he lives with you. He marries you and buries you and deals with all your stuff you have to deal with in life. I'm not making fun. You know, all of us had to grow up at one time. And I don't know that I'm fully grown up yet, but I'm doing my best. You know, I've just, whatever, lived my life. And it hadn't all been fun. Let me add, let me add that to it. But it's been fulfilling. Sometimes it was just a hard road to hoe for me, being in the ministry at times. Didn't have anything nice except my wife. And then my babies came. They were nice. But people were not nice as a whole. And money wasn't great back then. And what I drove wasn't great and where I lived wasn't great. I mean, even the county tore down my home when I left because it was a dump. It was called a parsonage. Oh, I'm not here to talk about myself. Let's get back on. So anyway, let's go, let's go to the book of Acts a minute. I appreciate Pastor Doug and Fiona coming and offering to be a pastor here. 
And I appreciate them both. I can tell they love you. Yeah. Let's go back here to Acts chapter, I think it's uh, 7 or 8. It's chapter 7. And so I was thinking about angels and churches in the book of Revelation. That would be New Covenant, of course. But here we have a a verse that says, uh, uh, verse 37 and 38, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, Prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel. So he was the, you can call him the shepherd of the church of Israel in the wilderness, and he had an angel with him too. Isn't that interesting? I mean, look back there for types and shadows, but how much better is it in the new covenant? All right. So I'm not in charge of those angels that help the pastors. I'm, you know, I try to help them understand that. Now, let's go to a couple of things real quick here. Just go to Isaiah 40, 43. And you guys may already know this, or the pastors might, but let's look at it anyway. Uh, Isaiah 43. And then we're going to go to Matthew 24, but Isaiah 43 and verse 5 and 6. Look at this with me. Because we want to talk about one thing at least the angels can do, and they can help gather people to this church. They can't, they can't preach the gospel. They, that's, they're incapable of doing that. God doesn't allow that. But they could influence people to come to this church or maybe wherever you go to church, if your pastor understands what I'm teaching and begins to release the angels to help him influence people in the community to come to his church. They can do that. He says, verse 3, Isaiah 43, 5, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons, that's significant, and my daughters, from the ends of the earth. So here he's saying that we could speak to all four directions, the north, the south, and east, and west. And God said he would bring sons and daughters, not people just attend church, but people that become sons and daughters to the pastors. Do you see the difference? You know, some people just come and take up a chair and maybe give a little money. And, you know, they're not evil in themselves, but they really don't do anything for the church except show up. They never work in the ministry of helps. They never do anything special for the pastors. They're just a wannabe sheep. But when you become a son and daughter to somebody, you're connected. That's a covenant level of stuff that what every real man of God needs in his life is people that love him, not just his, men, not just his anointing. One of my sons just wrote a new book. If I had it, I'd give you a copy, but he, they're still at the printer. It's called Love the Man, Not the Man. A lot of people love my anointing because they can get healed or delivered, but not very many people love me, Michael. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not playing my violin. I'm just talking reality. So he said he's going to bring people from the ends of the earth that come into this church, and they could be from Korea, they could be from Japan, they could be from Australia, they could be from Central and South America, Canada, and all the islands of the sea. And they come and they commit and they submit and they become good sons and daughters in this church. And they make the church grow up with them. Oh, praise God. That's exciting. Now let's go to Matthew 24. I'm just about ready to quit. Matthew 24. Let me find that reference here. 
Matthew 24 and verse 31. Hallelujah. Praise God. I had so much to share. Well, didn't you? I shared little, but <laughs> let me read this scripture here. Matthew 24, 31. And he shall send his angels. This is at another time frame, but just listen. Send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's from all the, all the people on the earth that are going to be saved. But now here's what I saw in this. If they could do that at the end, why couldn't they do something to gather people right now? Gather people to come. So when the pastors, you know, get a moment to do that, maybe they already do it, I didn't ask, and they begin to release their faith for the angels to gather people in this community, let them know that you're on this hill. Maybe some of the people in this town don't know this church exists right here. And they'll drive by one day and they look at a sign. Do you have a sign out there by the road, don't you, with the name of the church? Or a friend, a neighbor that never talked to them said, you know, I went up to this woman's meeting up here. One of you could be this person. And you tell your neighbor person, she goes, really? They had a ladies' meeting? What did they teach you? Oh, it was wonderful. They had this guy in from Indiana, and he was just wonderful. <laughs> I'm teasing you. <laughs> I'm teasing you. <laughs> and he's not bad either. He's cute. Okay. I'm teasing you, of course. I wasn't sure if you knew I'm teasing you or not. Okay. But you tell them all that you received, and they go, wow, I never heard anything about angels. You think I could go up there? Well, I don't know. The pastor ordered 25 books by this guy for the bookstore. Maybe they'd sell you a book. I don't know if he's coming back, but anyway, his book may be. <laughs> and your church would grow. That whole family come. Then they got relatives in this city or some burg down the road, five or ten miles, and the church begins to grow. See, that's not too far-fetched. That's just normal life. Okay. You're welcome. That's, I'm going to stop with that. And let's take a, it's a 12.15 almost. Let's take a 10-minute break. You can go to the potty or get a drink or just get up and walk around. Thank you for listening. Hallelujah. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I'm just going to leave so, this up here. Yeah, yeah. So, ladies, uh, Dr. Jacobs is going to take a break, too, so don't stop him on the way to taking a break, all right? <laughs> Let him go by you to take a break. But uh, go ahead. If you're hungry, our youth have stuff you can buy to eat, and it will support them. You could get it, grab it, bring it back to the table and eat. He wouldn't mind if you're eating while he's talking, would you?